is Elise Wakerman, the author of A Tale of Two Citizens, um, and also the author of Air Powered, which I think will probably come up soon because I am speaking today with Shannon Crawford, a Los Angeles uh, artist and the author um, and illustrator, I guess you would say, of Relentless Beauty, a very, very beautiful book that I had the pleasure of going through this weekend. Hello, Shannon. Hi, how are you? I am fine, thanks. And so I had heard from uh, other sources that uh, Air Powered was an important book in your life, but it was still like, you know, it, it induced a gasp when I saw the saw it actually in your book, you know, the, the picture of the cover and various um, samples from the book. So why don't you just um, describe, if you would, like how old you were when you first came upon it and why you think it had such a big impact on you? Well, I, I, I had to have been, I had to have been seven or probably had to have been six. I'm not sure. Probably I was pre 10. I was single digits. Let's just say, (laughs) let's just say I was single digits. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm a visual person. I had, I had like some, I guess learning disorders. I was uh, I was a really hyper kid. I was I uh, you know like I wasn't the best student. I wasn't the best reader. I didn't retain a lot, and and that that just got my attention, and I was able to thumb through it. I mean, you know, there's only so much uh, you know Bigfoot and Wild Boy and Chips and the Incredible Hulk you could watch on TV, you know. And I just right. Uh, right. you know we didn't have back then. You don't have like um, a hundred channels. You had three if you're lucky. Right. And then, you know, so, and I would just, I would thumb through this thing and it was just so beautiful. And I couldn't imagine a human being making such beautiful art. It really, it just, it, it spoke to me. So, uh-huh. and, and it, it was attractive. The yeah, cover so and everything. It sounds like it, yeah. It sounds like it was maybe a little uh, comforting also. You yeah, know, yeah. Reassuring. Yeah. You know, I had that, you described it, that it was like, I think you said something to the effect that looking at, at these pictures, it kind of um, validated the possibility that there was a place for you in this world. <laughs> That's going Absolutely. to be right? Yeah, um, I, I, sure. That resonated with an experience that I had as a kid when I first saw Elaine May and Mike Nichols. And they were, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, their original comedy, and the they just captured the absurdity. And I was like a little kid, but somehow it was like, okay, I'm not the only one that sees the world like this, you know. And it isn't all um, father knows best and leave it to Beaver. There, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so it kind of validated the idea that there was a place for me in the world. So the fact that uh, the book that I worked on um, had that effect for you is just wonderful. Um, very nice to know. And um, so, and you you do talk in the book, and you just alluded to it about how you're kind of glad that you were um, a child when you were a child, as opposed to now, because you think there's too much overstimulation, like there's too much visual stuff coming in at kids and do you think that that's like do you have any idea if that has had an impact or how do you think we'll know 
Well, there's always going to be kids that are exceptional and kids that just have it in their soul to create and uh, to paint, or I don't know, maybe I don't like the word soul, Uh, but, you know, in their, just in their DNA, I guess, to want to create, to want to, to just make things. And, but it's really hard. I, it's really hard to want to be that because there is so much overstimulation. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to just play uh, that, you know, rock guitar game instead of actually learning a guitar, learning how to play guitar, who, when, when you have a little screen in your hand at all times, or you're staring at a screen at all times, and you have that screen addiction creating those, those endorphins, um, I mean, who wouldn't want to pull away from it? Every, there's sugar in everything. You know, everything. As, and, and it was getting that way when I was a kid. I'm not saying there was no such thing, but it's, it's embedded in everything they eat. It's, it, they're inundated with just really just extreme eye candy visuals. I mean, the technology, the 3D animation, et cetera, et cetera, is just so overwhelming. And, and it's kind of awesome. I'm not saying. And, uh, wh- how wouldn't it pull people that way? You know, how, how wouldn't it? And, and so you're zoned out and high from the sugar. You're high from the screen. You're high from whatever ADD medication they've given you because of those right, two right. things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a battle. It's really hard to, to, to uh, it would be hard for anyone to create under those circumstances. Have you, know. you found that you're, how long have you been in, so you have a daughter and, uh-huh. uh, when did you start having sole custody of her? Is that did I understand that correctly? She was uh, she was in kindergarten, and you know her mom had a drug problem, and I um, you know I got custody of her, and uh, yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, she was just in kindergarten. It was for a few years. Her mom started getting well, and whatnot. Now, I'm just wondering if you found it a, uh, an added burden of parenthood to try to keep her away from the screen, and the, or was that a problem at the time? You know, all the video games and things like that. I don't know. Maybe something rubbed off. She's, she's 16, and she's written a whole album worth of music, and she has a band now, and she's playing her first show at the Dragonfly, which is a huge venue, like a in LA and actually 20 years ago in September would be my first show ever in my band uh, that, that led to my record deal 20 at the same club in the same month, 20 years ago. And now my daughter's playing it. And, uh, but she, 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 she forgets her phone. She leaves it at home and it actually gets annoying for me. It's like, you need to, I need to be in contact with you. You're a 16 year old kid. You know, so it's like opposite, and I'm kind of grateful for that. She doesn't, she's not some zombie who's staring at her uh, device all day, which is really, I'm really grateful for that. And for that, she's, she's not the greatest student either. She's in continuation high school, uh, just like her little man. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, hey, whatever, she's creating. There, there are tons of geniuses out there. All right, all over the world. I mean, there aren't, and there are tons of people who create too. But if I could have a a kid who who makes things and creates things and creates joy, then hey, whatever. And now back to the computer thing and and the eye candy. I mean, these a lot of those things have been created by creative people too. 
but it's just taken such a profitable right turn. It's taken such a such a monetary um, turn that it's just it's almost it's almost sickening, you know. Well, you suggest in the book, which is kind of interesting, that that's the whole raison d'etre for all these companies, and you know, that like there's maybe a larger conspiracy of um, uh, the, the capitalist industrial complex that wants to suck the creative and critical thinking out of its children, you know? So that right, kind of, yeah. Yeah. And that's oh, absolutely. Of, yeah, yeah. So that uh, we're all victims and, and the more developed things get, although I develop maybe is too positive a word, but, um, you know, the more that there is available for kids to just kind of stare at a screen or use their thumbs. I'm really interested to see what happens to the thumb, you know, in the next uh, iteration of humanity because it's being so much more used than ever before. Uh-huh. And, yeah. um, you know, that maybe this uh, so-called development and sophistication, because it does. I mean, I even have some relatives who are in their mid to late 30s who kind of drew, grew up, I guess, with the Nintendo phase, but they do right. just like up, but they're up all night playing video games. It's just relentless, and it does sound like an addiction. You know, maybe they'll. Be it is an VA. addiction. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it. Well, that UV light, it's like, it's almost like the sunlight, and it, and it, it triggers the brain. I, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not quoting any any studies on this, but I, I just my intuition tells me that screen light uh, triggers some sort of endorphin in the brain. It becomes an addiction, in my opinion, and, and the addiction of validation. It's, I just posted something. How many likes did I get from that? I want to see how, many, how much validation I got. Do they love me? Am I loved? You know? I know. The, the whole likes thing is just insane, and we, really have to, we have to stop it. We have to – I don't know who's going to stop it, but it is um, – yeah, once you post something, then the next thing is how many people liked it. And um, it certainly has become uh, uh, addictive and um, destructive, I think, as a way of being. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting the critical, that we do these... Go ahead. Oh, well, the critical thinking thing is, uh, I mean, if I was a billionaire... Uh, entrepreneur, business guy. I mean, the last thing I want is competition. And if, if no one has critical thinking and no one is able to, to create or come up with their own ideas, uh, that's, that's better for me because I don't, I'm not, I'm not, it's not threatening my bottom line. I just have a bunch of slaves, you know, a bunch of sort of dismal, um, sort of slaves that just, that are just hitting like and eating the sugar and, and, you know, and, and, and just staring at the screen and, and not, not creating. And, and there will be a devolution really. And that's sort of like that movie idiocracy. It's, it's a comedy, but it's a really smart film. It's a, it's, I think that's where we're going really. Just having like all these uh, people marching in lockstep and, uh, thinking that they're being um, original and rebellious by doing all these video games. Like that's the sense of rebellion is that you're not really doing anything yourself. 
but you're participating in this thing that's been orchestrated to make you feel as though you're doing something um, outrageous or against the conventions of society. Um, you know, right, how, right. That's, yeah, it's how the culture co-opts just about everything. Um, you know, it's how they co-opted the women's movement, uh, not in that same way, but obviously there are very intelligent beings that want to make sure that people don't step too far out of the lines that have been drawn because that would threaten the society. And, you know, I'm someone who thinks that there have to be some lines. I think that, you know, it is necessary to exist in, in a culture and in a society to have some rules that we all play by. But um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't want people, uh, you know, robbing your house and, you know, the, yeah. you don't want the wild west, you know, and yeah, um, but, but talking more more specifically, well, with, you know, civility is always nice, and I think it's uh, you know that you can expect certain things, like when you go to the movies, that you won't be shot. Which is oh yeah, that's yeah, that's working out really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It just well, that's another that's a whole other issue. Uh, I mean, it's just once again, it's just this. It's it's voluntary though, like all this. It's almost like the you think of a for-profit prison system, and uh, it's mm-hmm. how how is it possible to profit from people being incarcerated? It's like we're it's like almost like we're we're choosing it's incarceration of our own choosing to to be locked up in a room binge watching a series a t- TV series or to be on Facebook or whatever. But yeah, there's a there's a, a cover story on yesterday's calendar. I haven't read it yet. Um, that talks about the anxiety that's being produced because there are so many great things to watch on television. You know, forget even video games. But, right. you know, in the la- I guess since The Sopranos and the advent of original programming on HBO and then Showtime and then Stars and then now Netflix and Amazon and call it up when you want it, there are all, and it's been called, I guess for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, the golden age of television, which, yeah. you know, after, after decades of just path and awfulness, maybe starting with The Sopranos, that's where I would, um, you know, date it to, that TV is, re- there's just so much fantastic stuff, and people are getting anxious because, like, there aren't enough hours in the day <laughs> to watch everything. Right. That they, you know, that they hear is so fantastic. And um, it's almost like, uh, too, well, it's the cliche of too much of a good thing. But um, it's definitely something. I have some friends, and they said that when their daughter comes home, uh, you know, she's mm-hmm. an adult, but she comes home to visit. And she says to them, do you ever do anything but watch television? <laughs> and they right. say, no. You know, no. There's just so much good stuff. So, well, you, you might, yeah, my my dad's been anti-television for years. He never watched television, and and I'll say, oh, have you, you watched that show, Bloodline? Oh, yeah, I love it. Whatever, <laughs> maybe you know, and it's the same because they they finally figured it out, and they got they were allowed to be artistic in television. They were allowed to have artistic lighting, uh, artistic yeah. camera work. Uh, good stories, good acting. Hey, what do you know? And then all of a sudden, yes, it, they're like movies. It's like watching a really good movie. Uh, just okay. it's the production quality is so high. And then it's like uh, a network TV show 
or a sitcom after after binge watching these things, and you go and, and you say, oh, "What is this crap? It just it looks so cheap." And and that's that's why there's been this this surge of because it's gone from this really just cheap crap to this really artistic, well done these works of art, really. So, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would probably. I mean, it's interesting because you single out how everything looks, and I what I notice is that the writing is so good. You know, the yeah, the writing's great. Storyline, but I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's and but it, there is a glut, and uh, you know, I guess um, video on demand and calling up things when you want them should help in some way. It's not like if you can't watch it at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, that's it. Um, you know, first there was right, the right. to tape it, and now there's ability to just watch it whenever you want. I think another. Um, uh, advantage of this new stuff is that it's not interrupted by commercials you know yeah yeah that too i mean and you know i mean ideally it'd be great if we all created but not everyone in the world is going to be is able to sit around and paint or write or take photographs or (laughs) or write songs all the time and and so that said you know at least this is what you get when you finally let artistic people have their way you, the, the quality goes up and it becomes a phenomenon, you know, and, and when you, instead of you have some, am I allowed to curse, some jerk, I'll just some jerk in a, in a suit behind a desk saying, oh, I don't like it. The masses won't like it. And they're using their opinion. And then, and then you're stuck with just non-critical thinking, low level crap, you know, and that's, right. and, and it's changed and it changed the whole, uh, whole, uh, you know, atmosphere. And also, I think because life in general is a little bit easier, or it has been, I don't know the latest on the stock market. I know this morning it did something very dramatic. But in general, you know, we've come to a point in our society where people, the the nature of work is not necessarily uh, labor that has to be something that, uh, keeps you and your family alive day to day because there is so much technology. So there's more room for creative people to um, to kind of um, do what they do for their way of making a living. Like it's income producing. There's more room for creativity. You know, there's more outlets and it's more yeah. acceptable, and we're not in a manufacturing society so much anymore as in a creative, you know. I mean, there are so many, so many young people who are writing and making songs and art and drama and movies, and I sometimes wonder, will we have doctors, you know? Will we right. have uh, engineers and plumbers and all that kind of, you know, just people that will help us uh, keep all of our machines, including our own bodies, going, uh, because it just does seem that there's, uh, um, I guess, again, a golden age of creativity, and, uh, you know, let it blossom, but it is, it does, on the other hand, it can cause this anxiety that the calendar article was talking about, that there's just so much, um, although music, now, are you still into the music scene? Well, your daughter is, and I, your son is. I've, I've sort of passed the torch to her. I have no interest in it at all. I mean, I, I like performing, but I, I have no 
I have no interest in it. I, you know, I, we'll see. I mean, it, things can change. I'd rather, I'd rather paint paintings and, or like, like, or like go beyond painting and get into sculpture or work on my house. But no, not really, not music. Um, but now, but back to what you're saying, um, yeah, there will be doctors and there will be all of that because, you know, really only 10% of, of, of the population are creatives. And it just seems like there's a lot out there because the population has risen. So, but there will always be people who can't draw a stick figure, can't, you know, right. can't put a, you know, rhyme, rhyme some words together and, and they will, or they'll just be raised like you will be a doctor, you'll be a doctor, you'll be a doctor, you know, you'll be a, you'll be a lawyer, you'll be a lawyer, you'll be a lawyer. And, and that will be, you know, that will be the, you know, that they, they will just end up doing that, you know. That's kind of interesting because at the same time, of course, there's not that much money. You hear of all these music and art programs that are being cut from public school. So um, uh, at the same time you hear that, you do hear, and of course we live in Los Angeles, so I think there's probably a higher percentage of kids that are encouraged to be creative because their parents, you know, there's kind of like a draw to the city um, by creative people. Um, it's just okay. I remember when I first moved here from New York, it's like you could be a freelance artist and it was okay to be somewhere at two in the afternoon and there would be other people mm-hmm. there too, you know, that weren't wearing suits and uh, work, you know, kind of office clothing, let's say. Um, so I think that it might, living here might give us or give me the impression that there are so many kids that are coming out of school that wants to continue with um, especially film. I mean, there's just, you know, and, and communications and that kind of thing. And I'm all for it. It's great. But as I said, I just hope that the other sectors of the population are developed. You know, I mean, we know that there is a shortage of math and science majors. There's a shortage of math mm-hmm. and science teachers. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Like all the technology and computer stuff, maybe we'll balance it a little bit, you know, the whole um, um, industry around technology and um, Silicon Valley and all that. Um, But it's all very related to communications and... um, and creativity in a way that I don't think we've ever seen. So it'll just be uh, interesting to see how this all plays out. I wonder also, you've talked a little bit in your book about being an outsider and how you think that that also um, created the atmosphere for you. Like, Do you think personally that a person is born with a tendency towards creativity or that the circ I guess we're t- talking nature and nurture, or that the circumstances that you find yourself in have more to do with whether you are going to follow that path. Uh, I I think it's about eighty twenty. I think it has. To, I think it's eighty percent, if not a hundred percent, nature. It really is. You just have it in you, or you don't. I mean, you can try and try and try, and and you'll get. These guys and they're well learned and they they it's hard to I'm trying to like think of an example it's like a it's a construction guy who just 
learns construction to learn it, and they just they they measure the things and they build the house. Or then there's there's the guy who really has a vision and makes something beautiful. So um, I think it's nature, 100 percent, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, or 80 20. You know, they or that nudge. You know, there are people that are creative and they they never had that nudge or that help. And then they just send their whole lives really frustrated, but it always comes, comes out. You know, the cream rises to the top. It'll always, it'll always, uh, it'll, it'll get out there eventually, you know? Right. So it's not necessary to, ne- to have like a deprived childhood um, in order to be creative or, or artistic, that it's just in you. And you're going to see. Right. Things. I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think it glamorizes um, poverty and, uh, you know, and, uh, deprivation to say that, you know, they're good for the creative spirit because that's like saying, okay, it's great to be poor. <laughs> you know? and, I, uh, I, I beg to differ. There's a, there's a lot of famous actors, uh, musicians, painters, artists that grew up very wealthy and because of that wealth they're just able to just take a chance like hey i'm going to do this and then all of a sudden it clicks you know right i can spend all my time focusing on this and you know with that you know that little that nature in there as well of course and then you combine the two it's like they're unstoppable you know and they end up they just end up like you know losing it on drugs though (laughs) like like they just they uh they they uh self-destruct in other ways possibly but or not Right, right. We are agreed that it doesn't, you know, it's just we don't want to say that it's okay or kind of advantageous to um, be someone who has a very um, deprived childhood because then you'll be more likely to be creative. And I think that's bunk and not to be, um, you know, uh, extended or expanded as as a good idea. Um, But there is something. To, and this may go again along with the whole nature concept that maybe whether you're rich or poor or have two parents or one parent or um, that there is something that you might be born with that makes you feel a little bit apart from the natural order of things. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, now the first part, it, it cut out slightly. Like it, it doesn't matter if you're born. It, in part to have this feeling or you could be either born with wealth or not to have that feeling to feel a part of. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, repeat that again. I'm sorry. I totally missed that. I was, yeah. I well, like saying uh, that I think that the creative spirit may, or the creative impulse may come, uh, from the same, um, Quality of feeling separate from other people. Yeah, feeling, you know. Yeah, that's and, and exactly. That has nothing to do with the circumstances of your birth. It just, it's a, a something. It's something there. And you know, you did talk about um, feeling like an outsider, not only because of your rather unusual upbringing, um, but because it was just there. You know, and you, I love that you said that you weren't bullied, or at least at your first school, but you were teased. You know, that you're not claiming that that you were necessarily um, physically assaulted, but you felt because you were different 
and you were different right. in a kind of physical way. I was different because I didn't have a father, and that was another thing we have in common. Although you did pick up your relationship with your father, which is great, but at three years old, your parents divorced, and at three years three years old, my father died. So um, that was something that definitely made me feel apart because of from my peers because most families had a mommy and a daddy and all the things that you talk about, you know, I love that early painting you have of the kid on the horse with the little cowboy hat. Now, did you ever, yeah, did you ever, it's haunting. And, um, of course the skeletal horse, um, did you ever pick up the airbrush? No, I never could. It just, it was too complicated for me. I, I didn't, like I, my mom wasn't really good at stuff like that, and uh, you know, I, I just seemed like it'd be too complicated. My, my ADD thing or whatever learning, it, it, it didn't allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to pick up the I picked it up on Photoshop, but I mean, it's not yeah. the same. Obviously, it's not that, that sort of tangible feeling that, that you know. But uh, no, I didn't. I, I wanted to. I really wanted to. It's like. And that kind of prevented me. Like, I want to do stuff like this, but I can't, so I have an airbrush, so I'll have to wait. And finally, I just I just keep pushing it and pushing it, and I finally got my own thing with oil, with, with the brush, you know. Right, which is kind of the opposite, because it's like the brush strokes are very much apparent. And yet, some of your work, I thought to myself, is this from Air Power? Do you know, like there's a, uh, one called Lotus, and, um, ah. you know, you know, particularly, yeah, the ones with the close-up faces, they look so smooth. And I thought, gee, I don't remember this, but maybe it wasn't. And I saw that it was your work. So you've really... It was mine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Well, the, it's... The influence? Yeah, I started getting... I wanted to get really smooth. I tried that. I was going through, in uh, 2008, I was going through a phase where a lot of my stuff was really smooth-looking. Right. I wanted to give that a shot and just change it up. And then it led to my, my most recent body of work, like the, with the prize, with the, uh, with the woman holding the deer, and that it just sort of evolved into there. And now I'm in the process of a whole new thing. I'm just sort of starting, not, not, not too far out there, but just I want to start fresh, like a whole new, uh, whole new uh, just do something maybe even a little more abstract, you know, just not so literal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So that must be very exciting. Into a new it is. It is. Of your work. Yes, yes. Well, that's what it was for me. You know, uh, my previous work, I mean, I did actually do a little bit of sitcom writing, but my books were nonfiction. It was very exciting to branch out and try something that I've always wanted to do, which is write a novel and a work of fiction. And it was, um, you know, based on certain papers and photographs that I found that had belonged to my father and uh-huh. I didn't to um, write. I had written about the effect of not having a father, but this gave me the opportunity to kind of give him a life and it was a life that I would make for him. You know? And um, so that is basically what I hope I have accomplished in, in the book. And, uh, it, you know, it's really been lovely talking to you, Shannon, and I look forward to seeing more of your work. I really enjoyed the book. I think it's kind of like a graphic novel, uh, Relentless Beauty, and I hope it does not mm-hmm. relent. And uh, yeah. uh, 
perhaps uh, a tale of two citizens will also remind people about how immigrants are, you know, have to go through this feeling of being outsiders, um, and it would behoove all of us to make them feel a little bit more welcome. So, well, do we have? Uh, do I have time to comment on on that? On your, uh, are we almost out of time sure. here? Well, I just uh, like to, to sort of tie in your book with, for instance, my upbringing. You know, human beings are are pack animals of you know pack mentality, and you know, and and it, it's they almost seek out an outsider just to trauma bond with one another, and so whether it be issues within immigration, which is basically you know, racism, and that all that racism is is that is that ingrained. Uh, uh, pack mentality that's that's been in in everyone's DNA in human DNA. It's like this tribal sort of us and them thing, and uh, that's 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 the turning point. I think if 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 the species is to evolve, well, with which I do not have faith in whatsoever. But if it is to evolve, it's going to have to it's going to have to get lose that pack mentality, that animal. It's animalistic. It's animal. And uh, and then and then you touch upon that you know the immigration and and how how you know uh, you know this uh, sort of uh, you know this uh, Polish Jew trying to come into America and he's getting from what I gather just sort of getting uh, getting hard time from from immigration here in the U.S. and that that sort of sum it up to something basic basically pardon my brevity but no that's that's definitely i mean one of the things that that kind of uh drew me to the topic was that not only was it an opportunity to to imagine a life for my father but it was a very dramatic story and i but what drew me to it as well was how we are still this this country of ours this united states of america we're still grappling with how to integrate people that don't necessarily look or behave in the same ways that we do. I mean, it just resonated with the same kind of terminology and the same kinds of attitudes that are very resistant. Um, There's this great line in um, uh, the man who wrote the book about Alexander Hamilton. He says that the um, American history is basically the story of outsiders becoming insiders. And yeah, yeah. even you know, you know, and and so we can get really pissed off when we hear people yelling "white power" at a Trump rally. It's very oh, disturbing. Oh, it's, it's, it's wow. just you know, ugh. Um, <laughs> that's but, like this weird, bizarre universe. Like if we had like a parallel universe, that's the this is the parallel universe where we're we're in the bizarro universe where he's the president and then there's like you know he has this army of you know he shaves that big comb over off eventually and he has this big chrome dome bald head and with this right, yeah like right. daddy warbucks as the president like that'd be so insane like it not it's just like that's that's the bizarro universe right absolutely and let's hope it stays bizarro but i sometimes think when i'm getting down on this country of ours and, and the ugliness that you hear, A, we did elect a black person to be president, but B, um, we, what, what this country is trying to do, no other country has ever tried to do, you know, I mean, we really are a nation of 
many different kinds of people. It's the kind of, you know, I get very moved when I go to any kind of event at a public school, especially an urban public school, and you see the children, you know, lined up on the stage singing their Christmas carols or whatever, and they're from India and Pakistan and and the Bronx and France and Mexico and the South. It's just incredible, and it's hard. You know, we, we're many languages, we're many colors, we're many uh, cuisines, we're many fashion statements, and it's a very hard thing to do, and and I we have to, like, be optimistic, I guess, you know, I choose to be optimistic, which may be obnoxious, but in fact, the narrator of the novel starts, she's described as being, you know, like maybe unreasonably optimistic and sunny, and it gets on the nerves of people who know her, but I just think it's a big experiment, this place. Right. And, you know, well, we get yeah. Well, there's I one, I don't, I think, not... yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupt you. You there? No, I wanted to. I'm I'm very interested in in. Uh, you seem to have a, a more. Do you have a more pessimistic? Um, I just I think view? there's there's I think I don't think race matters at all. I think people are so caught up in in materialism and what they buy and the global globalization of these companies. I mean, I I I I was thinking I've had it. I want to move to Paris, you know. And if I were to move to Paris, I would learn French. I would I wouldn't try to make a Shannon Little America right there. I would take it in and be a part of that society. But upon upon you know exploring Europe and where am I going to live, I kept seeing a Foot Locker and a Starbucks and a McDonald's, and I thought, you know, unless I have a time machine, it doesn't matter where I go. So at the same time, it doesn't matter if people come here because there is there are no countries anymore. It's they're just corporations. They're just it's just one big company, Shell, Exxon Mobil. It doesn't. I mean that that's it. And you know they're making money while while we're bickering about our our silly little uh, our little you know what part of the earth we evolved on, how far. Or how center or how north of the equator our our DNA ancestors evolved. We're worrying about that rather than worrying about the big problem, you know. Right, right. Well, so maybe you're just saying it just keeps us occupied. <laughs> um, yeah, just keep them dumb, keep them buying, keep them stupid, and uh, keep them, mm-hmm. you know, bickering about things that don't matter. I mean, you know, DNA is is all compatible, so there are no races. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just adaptation to uh, certain parts of uh, of the latitude of planet Earth. Really, how far right. or close you are to that equator is make your skin color, and that's all that matters. All it is. So, but, well, but and re- religions, yeah, yeah, and religion, but, yeah. Well, well, there are all these things that are kind of uh, built in to keep us divided. And maybe, uh, you know, that's part of the grand plan. <clears throat> but I do, I get, maybe it's a sentimental thing, but I love this country, and I love that it's made of so many different people. And, I mean, it's very interesting that you said you would move to France or Paris and learn French. And I think one of the interesting things that's going on now with immigrants is they come here, and, you know, to some extent they're interested in assimilation but they're also right. very determined to maintain their own culture 
And I think that mm. that's part of where the animosity comes from. You know. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Sure. You know. You know. And uh, it's all very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, and it, it it just never ends. And then and then then the, we haven't even talked about religion. How how absurd that is. So I mean, we don't even, we haven't even gone there. But it, and then you add that element in. It's just it's a never ending, just stew of just hate. <laughs> you know it what is. I mean? Well, it's, it's, yeah. You know, on the one, yeah, it's, it's the opiate of the masses. But on the other hand, it also serves to keep us separate and also yeah. not that worried about what's happening to us here because there's always heaven, you know. It's the afterlife that people can look towards so they don't have to be troubled yeah. or feel responsible for what's going on here. Well, we can yeah. go on. And I just want to say yeah. that, uh, you know, we have air powered in common. We have father lost in common. Although I'm very, very happy that you have, it sounds like a really good relationship with your father. Um, and I also taught at a military school. <laughs> attended a military. Oh, I wow. Only take, I could only do it for a year. I just thought, you know, I, I thought, all right, it's a job, it's a gig, you know, and it's teaching English. Um, but, oh, yeah. my goodness. Did you have to wear a uniform? Yeah, it was terrible. I hated it. It was just, it was, I, I could only handle it for a year. And, uh, it, yeah, it was it was depressing. It, uh, there was no art, no girls. It was, I went by there and walked around. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, I, I. I was constantly but, being called to the, uh, the the head of the school was called the colonel. <laughs> I was constantly being called to his office. Me, I was a teacher. Like, why are you saying yeah. good things about Fidel Castro? And why are you? And uh, it was. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Hey. <laughs> it was great. Lenin was not a good man. No, it was not a yeah. good man. Uh, a good employment situation for me. But, you know, I had a year. I had these little, like, you know, Miss Jean Brody. I had a year with these boys who were considered helpless uh, in any other kind of school environment. So even though most of the day, I, you know, they were, like, marched around. But in my classroom, they got to express themselves and do a little writing, and we talked about Shakespeare. And so, you know, I think for that one group of boys, with with a good interaction for all of us. I did have the colonel's son in one of my classes, so he, I guess he was constantly reporting back, and that's how he knew what was going on. But, uh, you know, yeah. all these experiences add up, and they're all grist for the mill. Yeah. Say. So, well, um, I, I really appreciate... Oh, what's that? I was just going to wrap it up, but let me hear what you appreciate. No, I appreciate you uh, wanting to do this with me. It's great. I had a, it's a really fun time. Good talk. It was a, a great conversation. And uh, here's to more art. And uh, maybe we'll run into each other one day. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, and, and you're you're a hero of mine. That you know the fact that you uh, with with air powered and and all that. Just this is this is really great, and I really appreciate the time. Well. You know, Tyson was just uh, beside himself when I got in touch with him about A Tale of Two Citizens. And then I mentioned as part of my resume that, that I had written Air Powered. And he said, oh, uh-huh. wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. And uh, the more people talk, the smaller the world becomes. 
So uh, good it, It's kind of obscure, and not a lot of people have that book or know of that book. You'd have to be a certain age at a certain time. I was actually mm-hmm. younger than most, but it's, it was a very brief moment in time, you know. Right, so. right. Well, I'm glad, therefore, that uh, you know it was there for you. It's just fantastic. And uh, obviously your mother had been drawn to it also. And so, yeah. they, you know, we now we're talking to each other in 2015. And um, yes, lots of luck, and I look forward to more of your work. Okay, all right, well, and I, I'm, I look forward to finishing your book as well. Thanks so much, Shannon. Take it easy. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Okay.